Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khani Wolshansky. I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Hello there, and welcome back to the final episode of the six-part series on the bridge concept, which are the six meta skills of what it takes to build and sustain your school of excellence. So this is the six meta skill. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been diving into each of those core meta skills from boundaries, relational intelligence, individual advocacy, discernment, generosity, And today we're talking about emotional regulation. Today's episode is broken down into a few different parts. I'm going to be going over a lot of really high-level concepts and then some basic concepts. So bear with me as this is going to be a little bit of a longer episode. So today we're going to be going over what is emotional regulation and why it's a meta skill. I'm going to be talking about its impact on the performance, that emotional regulation of each of your individual staff members, administration, and leadership team, how their levels of emotional regulation impact performance and work culture. I'm going to be talking about some core skills to help your team start to master their own levels of emotional regulation, and then strategies that you can start to implement so that you can develop, coach, and role model these emotional regulation skills for your team. So let's get started with understanding what is this concept of emotional regulation? Well, the first thing to understand is that emotions are a normal part of everyday life. We feel frustrated when we're stuck in traffic. We feel sad when we miss our loved ones. We get angry when someone lets us down or does something that hurts us. These are normal emotions. And as much as we try to kind of push down like, oh, anger is such an ugly emotion. No, it's just an emotion. It just is. Anger, frustration, anxiety, depression, sadness, hurt, loss, grief, All of these things are emotions. And while we expect to feel these emotions regularly, some people start to experience emotions that are more volatile. They feel higher highs and lower lows. And these peaks and valleys start to impact their lives. 
So individuals who experience intense emotions really find themselves calm in this one state, right, where they're calm and there's equanimity and there's this regular, there's just a calm regulation. And then in the next moment, they are sad or angry. While many of us can have times when our emotions can spin out of control or we find ourselves in a tailspin, there are individuals where this happens too regularly, right? Their rapidly changing emotions cause them to do and say things that they really later regret. And what happens is when this happens consistently over time, they damage relationships and they hurt their credibility that they have with others. And so they're trying to build this reputation, but their emotional regulation consistently distorts their ability to build credibility, to build reputation, to build their own brand equity with other human beings. And they consistently damage relationships because they become inconsistent and unpredictable. So there are a number of reasons that someone loses control of their emotions. One thing to understand is a lot of this can be very tied to genetics, right? A lot of people are just genetically predisposed to these rapid changes. A lot of that comes from trauma or um, epigenetics, where they did a study trauma. There's a big concept of epigenetics where, you know, if your parents or previous generation experience trauma, it gets passed down. There's a concept called emotional inheritance, where you inherit the trauma and the kind of emotional baggage of the previous generation. So what we need to remember also, and again, I'm not a trauma expert. I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not a doctor. I've t- studied trauma extensively from my own little myopic uh, uh, version of understanding trauma and its effects on our daily life. We need to remember that some people are predisposed to losing control of their emotions. Another thing is, is that these people that are experiencing these things may just have never witnessed good emotional regulation, right? They never were able to see someone role modeling what that looks like or have been consciously taught those skills. And so what happens is they lose control when they experience their triggers for negative situations, There's also physical changes that cause a person to lose control of their emotions, such as exhaustion or burnout or high levels of frustration or drops in blood sugar, right? That's why we use the concept of like hunger can bring that in. No matter the reason for the emotional volatility, what's really good to know, and I hope that this episode provides you with a lot of hope is recognizing that you can learn better self-regulation and you can teach this to your people. We can all benefit from learning strategies to control our emotions better, but emotional regulation is the ability to better control your emotional state. This is why it's a meta skill. Now, again, I just want to bring awareness to this concept because I've had a lot of conversations with people where they're like, I've Googled this concept of the six meta skills and I don't find it anywhere. Yeah, because this is a brand new concept that I created. This is in the process of being trademarked. It's our intellectual property. And so you're not going to find this anywhere. I created this after hours and hours of studying and looking at patterns and re-listening to conversations that I've had with hundreds and hundreds of school leaders. These are the six core meta skills that when you model, coach, and train these for your people, you will have the foundational skills needed to build and sustain your school of excellence. No, these are not systems. They are not processes. They are not SOPs. They are not checklists. They are not PowerPoints. They are actual skills that you need to model, coach, and train to your people. You cannot SOP someone out of a tantrum, okay? Adult tantrums are very, very volatile, and they can look and sound in a lot of different ways. 
And so these meta skills are understanding that when your people have these levels of emotional regulation and they understand how to control their emotional state, now you're creating legacy. Now you're playing the decades game. Emotional regulation is this awareness and this understanding of an individual's emotions and their impact on behavior, right? It's understanding that this emotion, when I feel this emotion, I need to be able to understand how this impacts the behavior that I'm going to take next. So why is emotional regulation so important? Well, when you know how to regulate these emotions, it helps you calm down during times of high emotions. And it also gives you the power to control the negative urges during times of emotional distress. What you need to remember is that when you are running a center, emotional distress is a constant in running a center. A teacher texting that they're coming late is emotional distress. A child crying in the background is emotional distress. A child getting bitten, someone having a block thrown, a blow out diaper, a parent texting, someone coming late, someone coming early. All of these things are emotional distress. And the leader's ability to calm down during high emotions and control the negative urges is the crux of emotional regulation. The next thing is understanding emotional regulation is taking any action that alters the intensity of the emotional experience. So let me explain to you what that means. Emotional regulation is not suppressing or avoiding these emotions like frustration, anger, hurt, anxiety, grief, etc. No. Emotional regulation skills influence which emotions you have, as well as how you express your anger, how you express your frustration, your anxiety, your grief, your guilt, your shame, your blame, whatever, right? So again, emotional regulation is taking an action that alters the intensity of the emotional experience. Why do some people feel the teacher coming in late with such high intensity, like a level 10 SOS alert? And some people don't respond in that way. That is directly correlated to their level of emotional regulation. So you have many teachers and leaders or levels of your administration who are operating from a place of emotional regulation at a level three or level five. And because of that, when there is intensity that comes in at a level seven, well, now there's imbalance. I don't know how to deal with a level seven. So I deal with it in the way that I've always been taught of how to deal with things. I fight, flight, or I freeze, which never looks pretty, especially when you're a school leader. So emotional regulation, when you look at someone, sometimes you see someone and you're like, oh, they're just naturally calm right? They just have this natural calm confidence to them. No, nobody is naturally calm. Okay. Someone who feels this natural calmness, or you look at them and they have this natural calmness, either they won the parent lottery in life where they were taught and modeled emotional regulation of how to deal with intense emotions, or they worked super, super intensely on themselves to create it for themselves. Nobody is naturally emotionally regulated because we all have intense emotions starting from when you're a baby and you start crying to be fed or to be held or because you're wet or cold or hot. The caregivers in your life model how to deal with your emotions from a very primitive age, from a very primitive state of being and understanding and consciousness in the world. Nobody is naturally calm. It is taught. It is taught, modeled, trained, coached. So either your parents gave you this incredible head start in life, or you were surrounded by phenomenal teachers who modeled this for you, or 
you're going to teach this to yourself like the vast majority of people end up having to do for themselves is they need to teach this for themselves. And they surround themselves with other people that are doing this hard work, like this podcast over here. We're in community here doing this work together. The reason I bring in this example is that, you know, sometimes you'll see people that, that you feel they're naturally calm. These people experience negative feelings and emotions also. There isn't a human being on the planet that doesn't experience negative feelings and emotions. It's part of living. But this person has developed coping strategies that allow them to self-regulate difficult emotions. I'm going to say that again, and I'm probably going to say it two more times so that you can really let this sink in. Naturally calm, confident people do experience negative feelings. They get negative feelings and emotions. But these people have developed coping strategies that allow them to self-regulate their difficult emotions. They have developed and learned coping strategies that allow them to self-regulate difficult emotions. Great. So now we understand emotional self-regulation is not a static trait. Emotional regulation can be learned and improved over time. 100%. And learning how to manage these negative experiences impacts your mental and physical health. So... Now that I've given you this little crash course on emotional regulation and kind of this high level of understanding why this is a meta skill. Some of the things we need to understand when it comes to emotional regulation as a meta skill is that you can have a process in your center that when a child falls, this is how we respond to a child falling. And then you can also have a process there where, you know, we don't raise our voices or we don't alarm or startle the children. Okay, great. That's a great process. It's a great rule to have (laughs) until you have a teacher who doesn't have high levels of emotional regulation and her nervous system responds that when a child falls off the chair, she says, oh, my gosh. Well. You can have the best SOP in the world. She could have signed on the handbook. It could even be in her contract. Nobody freaking cares because guess what? Her body didn't read your handbook. Her brain did. Her body operates on a different level and a different wavelength than her brain does because her body has been programmed that when a child falls off, she says, oh my gosh, she needs to train her nervous system through emotional regulation skills to choose a different response when a child falls off a chair. And your system and handbook is not going to teach her that because her brain is reading, don't do this, but her body operates on a different wavelength. Her body commands her brain what to do. Her body says, this is what we do when we see danger, right? Her brain could say from today to tomorrow, do this, do this, do this. It doesn't matter. In a state of crisis, Her body is coming on her reflexes. Whatever her reflexes are is how she's going to respond. You can spend eight hours in a staff development training day in August teaching her that this is what she needs to do when crisis happens. Doesn't matter. That's not how you teach emotional regulation because it's a meta skill. Meta skills are not taught through speeches and lectures from the stage with a beautiful PowerPoint. They are taught through real life experiences and scenarios and role playing and a lot of repetition. 
a lot of repetition, a lot of repetition, a lot of exercise, more feedback loops, more repetition, more repetition, more feedback loops, more repetition, not more PowerPoints, not more slide decks, not more SOPs and processes, more experiences to role play through these things and closing feedback loops. That's how her body starts to operate on a different wavelength where her brain and her body begin to connect. So again, you can have every handbook in the world that says, when parent walks in late, do this. Doesn't matter. If she gets startled by this parent doing this, she's going to respond with the way her nervous system responds. Whether that's shutting down, whether that's sarcasm, avoidance, deflection, shaming, blaming, overwhelm, whatever. Pick your poison. She's going to do what she knows how to do. So. You're hearing me talk and you're thinking, all right, Connie, I get it. But is this a doom and gloom podcast or is this a podcast of hope? It's a podcast of hope. So now I'm going to walk you through some of the skills that help a person begin to master emotional regulation. Number one, create space. Emotions happen fast. Okay. You don't think, oh, now I'm going to get angry. No, you just get angry, right? You suddenly get a clenched jaw. You get furious. You don't, there's no, there's no pause. I'm like, oh, now I'm about to get angry. The number one skill in learning how to regulate your difficult emotions is the greatest gift you can give to yourself, which is the pause. It's taking a breath. It's creating space. Because the space is what slows down the moment between your trigger and the response. You got triggered to get angry. And when you create space between that trigger, whatever triggered you to get angry, right? The teacher walking in late and you pause before the response. That is how you begin to master the skills of regulating your emotional response to whatever triggered you to feel like you need to respond. Now, a lot of you are listening like, okay, great. Yeah, we have that as part of our core values, pause, or I don't know, whatever it is. Creating space is an entire meta concept in itself. And I'm at, after I go over the five core uh, skills, I'm going to give you one master strategy of how to actually create space within your entire culture. And then it requires an entire overhaul of mindset. That's why I'm leaving it for the last. So number one is create space, okay? Because emotions happen fast. Number two, notice how you feel. Okay, in what parts of your body do you notice sensations? I do this with my kids all the time. Does your stomach hurt? Does your heart race? Do you feel tension in your neck, in the back of your head, in your back, in your feet? Where do you feel the sensations when you get this emotional response? Every person has a core part of their body that carries their stress that carries their emotional responses. For me, it's typically sitting in my chest or in my stomach. When I feel my chest get tight or my stomach get heavy, I know that I'm going to have an emotional response. That's when I go back to one, create space. I need to pause. I need to slow down. I need to understand why is my stomach hurting me right now? Why is my chest heart um, tight, right? Why am I feeling sweaty? Why do my eyes feel heavy? whatever it is. Okay. So you need to learn how to actually notice when something's bothering you. Number three, naming what you feel. 
Okay, asking yourself, what do I call this emotion? Is it anger? Is it sadness? Is it, is it disappointment? Is it re- resentment? Is it jealousy? One of the strongest emotions that I found when I coach leaders, the strongest emotion that hides beneath all the surface level emotions is fear. They're afraid. Number four, accepting the emotions. Emotions are a normal and natural part of how you respond to situations. When you feel anger, don't push the anger. Say, I feel angry right now. I feel scared. I feel afraid. I feel jealous. Recognize that your emotional reactions are valid and then practice the compassion, the generosity, the grace that experiencing emotions is part of being human. And what you choose to do when you feel that emotion is where you step above the animalistic feeling of those emotions and you become the human, right? You become higher than that. Animals act on every single impulse, right? Boom, I want this, I go after it. Boom, I want that, I jump after it, right? People have a brain, a higher level of conscious thinking. And they can say, oh, I want that, but I'm going to delay gratification. I'm not going to react to that. Oh, I got triggered to get angry. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to deflect. This is what it means to sit in a higher conscious level of thinking as a human being. This is what separates humans from all other living species on the planet. We have the power of the creative imagination and the playfulness and the brain that we have. It's completely different than any other living being on the planet. But emotions are also part of our humanity. And number five, practicing mindfulness. Mindfulness, which is overlooked so much. We, I know so many schools that teach mindfulness in their preschool curriculums. They teach the children how to meditate. They talk about mindfulness. They do yoga. They do Pilates. They do all kinds of things with the kids. Do it with your staff. Do it for yourself. Practice mindfulness. Practice the art of slowing down and being patient with yourself. So let's review for a second here. I'm talking about here the five emotional regulation skills that you want to learn how to start to master. Number one is creating space. Number two is noticing how you feel. Number three is naming what you feel. Number four, accepting the emotion. And number five, practicing the mindfulness. All right. I've spoken about a lot so far, right? And this is, again, like I said, this is a longer episode. There's a lot of things I want to go through here to really just, again, the point of these podcast episodes is to help you see things from a different perspective, learn how to think from a higher level of consciousness and thinking, and make better decisions about how you want to go about building your center and building legacy. So I want to go over one master strategy now. Okay, that when you start to implement this master strategy, you make massive strides in changing the environment in your school and the culture. And that is identifying and reducing triggers. Okay, I talk about this a lot. I talk about understanding how to reduce capacity, which essentially is reducing triggers. Now, I'm not talking about avoiding negative emotions or being afraid of them. Okay, because, you know, 
that's that's part of of life, right? But you also don't have to keep putting yourself in situations that consistently bring up unpleasant emotions, especially when you're in a learning curve and you're trying to learn how to respond differently to your triggers, right? Because again, what is the meta skill of emotional regulation? It's the meta moment. It's the learning how to prolong the space between the trigger and the response. Well, if you're a person right now who has a lot of triggers, right, where you feel like almost everything triggers you, the parent, the teacher, the staff, the office, the, like everything is triggering you, then you have to reduce the amount of triggers that you have in a day so you can start to create space and learn how to master those triggers before you invite new ones. Okay, I'm going to say this again. I'm not telling you that you have to reduce all triggers in your life. That's not what this is about, right? Because kids are a huge trigger. Please don't reduce your children. Please don't send them anywhere. That's not what I'm promoting here. I'm talking about understanding what are the big triggers in my life and how can I reduce the amount of triggers that I consistently keep in my life? For now, for this short season, so I can learn how to master the space between these triggers and my response, and then I invite new triggers. It's the classic example where we talk about like when you just have a baby, you're not also going on a health plan uh, to lose weight, you know, four seconds after you had a baby. It's not the time. You have enough triggers and stimuli in your life. This is what you need to deal with right now. A couple months, maybe a year or two, we could talk about something else. You can't do all the things in one time. I always say this. You could do all the things, just not at the same time. You need to give yourself time to learn how to react in a rational and regulated way. Okay, so then what does that mean? Well, you want to start looking for patterns or factors that are present when you feel strong emotions. This requires a lot, a lot of self-awareness where you actually have to slow down enough during your day to say, wow, I'm feeling really stressful right now. Okay, why? What just happened in my day in the last hour or so that's making me feel tightness in my chest and racing inside of my heart, right? It requires curiosity. It requires humility. It requires honesty. Did something make you feel less than? Did something make you feel jealous? Did something make you feel like, oh, I, I, I didn't like that? Strong emotions often come out of really deep-seated insecurities, especially the ones that we are desperate to hide. I'm going to say that again. Strong emotions spring up from our deep-seated insecurities, especially the ones that we are desperate to hide. So what is happening around you and what past experiences does it bring up for you? Right. And when you can learn how to identify these triggers and then start to reduce them and then tell yourself, I am going to focus on these triggers and learn how to create more appropriate responses to these triggers. Right. So you could take something super simple, like a teacher walking in late and you can say, I'm going to coach this director and help her how to create a more rational and regulated response for teachers coming in late. That is the only thing you are coaching her on with emotional regulation. You're not also teaching her how to respond to the parent and how to respond to the child and how to respond to this teacher and how to respond to this person. Stop it. Stop overwhelming their nervous system. Don't do it. We need to be patient. 
We need to be patient. The last two and a half years have completely disrupted everyone's nervous system. Everyone is operating from a fragmented nervous system. Some of us are higher levels of consciousness, and we've consistently worked on keeping ourselves emotionally regulated, so we're not as dysregulated as other people. And some people are unbelievably dysregulated generosity, compassion, grace. I'm not telling you tolerate all this bullshit. No, I'm not telling you to do that. Again, this is not an all or nothing podcast. You can't listen to this podcast and say, oh, well, Hani said I should. No, you need to learn how to practice discernment. You need to learn how to practice nuanced contextual responses. What I am telling you is, is that if you have a teacher that gets dysregulated and has a lot of triggers, then sit down and say, what are the top three triggers that we're going to focus on? The top three that get you super dysregulated. Let's work on them. What are going to be the appropriate, rational, regulated way that you want to respond? How do you want to show up? And then you have to guide her, right? So she'll say, well, this is how great. Every week, check in with her. How was this week for you? How did you respond when the parent came in? You can't just give it to her, set it and forget it. She's not a machine. There is no program that you can set in her like a system or a process. Set it and forget it, automate it and delete it. No, she's a person. She's a human being. Okay, she's got a different hardware inside of her body. It's called emotions and feelings and humanity. So you're going to identify and reduce the amount of triggers because when you do this, let me tell you, you're going to have less tattling. You're going to have less reactive behaviors. You're going to have less intense reactions. You're going to last have less of the <sighs> huffing and puffing and drama because your people are going to learn how to pause and breathe and slow down before they respond. They're going to ask for a moment when they are in stress. They're going to give themselves a timeout when they have stress. You're going to have less hot and cold behaviors. And I know that you want all of these things and you can have them, just not all tomorrow. You can't have this all tomorrow. And this is where we have to learn the patience, the patience to work through these powerful meta skills. We have a great episode where I interviewed Sharon Hobson on the value of patience. It's uh, it's part of our ordinary moments create extraordinary results. If you haven't listened to that series or if you want a refresher, you could definitely check that out with Sharon Hobson on the power of patience um, and why patience is powerful, powerful skill to building anything that you want in your center. So I want to leave you guys with this. Again, I know this episode was a little bit longer. This culminates our six-part series on the six meta skills, boundaries, relational intelligence, individual advocacy, discernment, generosity, and today, emotional regulation. You do not need to know all of the answers or know all of the things of how to teach, model, and train this for your team. What you do need to know is that these are skills that can be taught that can be measured, that can be improved, and that can be modeled and coached to your team and for yourself. And you don't need to know every step of the journey. The first step that you need is the curiosity to say, I want to find out more. I want to learn more about these six meta skills. I want to understand a little bit more about how I actually teach this to my people. I want to understand a little bit more about how I become this role model and this person for my people. That's it. 
You don't need the entire system handbook or process. You don't. You need the first step of curiosity. You need the first step of humility of saying, I don't know how to do this right now, but I'm very curious and committed to find out. And if you want to find out more, would love to have a conversation with you. We teach these skills. We role model these skills. We have very specific strategies and contextual challenges that we give our leaders on our coaching calls based on the examples that they're giving us of what is happening in their centers. I will guide them with very specific formulas. This works in your center based on what's happening in your school. Here's what I think you should go try. And someone else, I'll give a different prescription. I encourage you to check out our directors in our circle, our owners HQ program. This is where we train up level and coach our directors in one program, our owners, executive directors, and regional managers in another program. If you've been even a little bit curious over the last six weeks about what this is about, what this coaching and training program, definitely go check it out. The link is in the show notes. You can learn more, jump on a call myself. I take all the calls. You and I can have a conversation and we'll see where's your center holding right now? What's going on? What are your short-term goals? What are your long-term goals? How long do you want to be in this industry for? Are you playing the decades game? What kind of legacy do you want to build? And then we'll talk about the roadmap to get there. I want to thank you for being part of this incredible series. I've absolutely loved teaching this. Uh, So thank you for being part of it. And we'll see you next week on another amazing episode on the Schools of Excellence podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.